Are we recording right now? Yeah. Oh my God, fun. Okay. This voice is Hannah. And this voice is Marissa. Also, would probably am is our turn on by it. Hart Slarowski? Yeah. Of course. Doesn't actually no. make a ton of sense. No. What are you doing? Are you talking to yourself? <gasps> oh my God, I already hate this story. You know what? I'm okay with that. Because I just thought you could like bleed suddenly yeah. at any good moment. <laughs> my erotic fan fiction isn't fucking interesting enough for you. Hello, you're listening to the Tell Us More podcast. Have good friends. <laughs> the guy came up and you literally go, Oh, who are you here with? And he was like, All my, all these are or all these people. And you're like, Oh, how do you know each other? We're just good friends. And literally, you go, <laughs> It's lovely to have good friends. <laughs> and then I told you that you said it two seconds later and you were like, I just said that. And I was like, Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I just talk out of my ass because I don't. Some people, not everybody wants to banter when they come on stage right. so sometimes it's hard to like it's hard to vibe off people that don't want to oh, no. so then I just Fully. say shit like that it's lovely to have your brain friends. just like goes on autopilot so customer uh, service apparently it's, it's lovely to have good friends I feel like we haven't fully explained what we do on Saturday nights we just kind of interject I feel like we have sometimes but I think it's important to note for people that don't know us because I'm very delighted to find out that people that don't really know us listen to our podcast thank you but on Saturday nights <laughs> Hannah and I um, I host a drinking spelling me and Hannah judges so yeah. anytime you hear us talk about like spelling or like a B referring to our Saturday oh, yeah. night evening I do refer to it as the B at work and for the first couple times people are like the B like yeah I collect B's Applebee's <laughs> the B oh fuck yeah we, yeah you guys didn't know that we meet up at Applebee's every Saturday night it's the hopping place it's one dollar Long Island tart <laughs> we get dirt one dollar Long Island's and half up appetizers you better believe we're there on a Saturday night get that <laughs> I can't even think of a joke Get that! It's lovely to have good friends. Get that! That's See, Applebee's that's new slogan. As if I ever. Get that! Applebee's, get, get that! that. <laughs> Jesus. Um, oh, if I ever hosted, I would say shit like that though. Like I would, I would totally do that. And then it's me, lovely to have good friends. me, Britt, and you would all be laughing, and then we would be having a good time, and everybody else would be like, "Can I just get my word?" And we'd be like, "We're not done bantering yet I'm with sorry. each other. Please wait." <laughs> We're busy. We're kind of busy. I wouldn't know, A, when to shut the fuck up, mm -hmm. and B, I would just come up, like, I would ask people just the weirdest fucking questions. When's like, I'd be like, so, uh, do you, um, enjoy getting your ass eaten? No? Okay. Inappropriate? You're a mother of five? Great, oh, right. Hey, just because you're a mother of five doesn't mean you can't get your ass snacked on. Oh, 100%. Snack on my ass, Hannah. You know what? Everybody just get a little nibble in. Just get a little, uh, well, I'm at, uh, uh, just darted in there. I tried to radio at one point last night, and I was like, because someone was, like, nervous about coming up on the stage or something, and I was like, I don't have that problem. I was like, if I could just be on the stage constantly, and she was like, me too. And I was like, just give me the mic. Don't fucking take it away right. from me. <laughs> I'm interested to, yeah, to see what my conversation with Sean's going to be like later. About the fate of the bee. I'm, I just, I mean, I understand Max wanting his Saturdays back, but I'm... Flabbergasted. Yeah. So I got basically I got a promotion. Oh, yeah. So that's amazing. Because is Max like stepping down? Like so you're like the lead. I'm the lead. I'm Max now. But I'm much nicer. You are the Max now. I am the Max now. Which is interesting because that can segue in to my story. Oh, perfect. Nicely because today. Are you doing your story about Max? <laughs> I am doing my story about Max Headroom. Well, the Max Headroom incident from the 80s. Oh my god. 
Season two, episode thirteen. Lucky number thirteen. Fun. I That's the path I chose. That's the path I chose. It's Marissa and Hannah. Here we are. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Okay. So before I don't know what the fuck. This I know. I'm so excited. I forgot about. I heard about it once. So how I found it. So I like to watch. Dumb, I mean, everybody watches dumb shit on YouTube, but I usually just type in scary stories yeah. <laughs> on YouTube, and I, like, watch these channels, and this one was, like, the top ten most unexplained, like, unsolved random shit that happened or whatever. That's obviously not the professional title. Yeah, no. I I can see it. Basically, <laughs> top ten weirdest random shit that's ever happened. That's, like, that's unsolved. So I was like, this will be good. And Max, the Max Hedrum incident was on it, and I had heard about it before from watching, is, like, I Love the 80s or something. Is Max Hedrum, like, a person? Well, let me tell you. Okay, because yeah, I'm confused. <clears throat> yes, it's. Uh, I'm going to go into the history of Max Headroom. So, Max Headroom was a character created for a British-made cyberpunk TV movie called Max Headroom: Twenty Minutes into the Future in 1985. Already super confused, but so, all right. Max Headroom is a, is a character. No, I know for a cyberpunk pop British television show. Yes, the movie. Cyberpop, cyberpunk. Cyberpunk. Okay. I, I think it was. Well, let me continue. It's okay. Just keep going. He's a fictional artificial intelligence character known for his wit and stuttering, distorted, electronically sampled voice. So keep in mind, it's the 80s. Is it, a, is it a robot? Is he a person? Well, he was known as the world's first computer-generated TV host. However, he wasn't CGI and he wasn't a robot. It was a, this guy in prosthetics that was an actor that so portrayed... so fucking confused. Right. Amazing. Keep telling me. So um, an, an actor in prosthetics made yeah. to look like a CGI robot. Okay. So in he, the 80s. Yes. I'm sure it was really Super good. Super 80s. Uh, <laughs> and Max was portrayed by Matt Frewer, uh, and the computer-generated appearance was achieved with prosthetic makeup and hand-drawn backgrounds. Preparing the look for filming involved a four-and-a-half-hour session in makeup, which Frewer described as grueling and not fun. Yeah, I've done that. It's not fun. <laughs> not. Likening it to... Being on the inside of a giant tennis ball. Because when I post the picture, Ooh. you'll see that this this the head is huge. Like, it's meant to be, like, an, an overdramatic yeah. guy. I don't know. Cartoon. Cartoon, that's Robot. Word. Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk. <laughs> robot. That's my favorite genre. You Just didn't know that? Just keep fucking saying weird words you that don't go together. You didn't know that my favorite genre of TV movie is cyberpunk? I, didn't. I thought we were friends. I didn't. I'm so sorry. I will buy you top ten cyberpunk movies. Top ten on British television. <laughs> that's my that's Whoa. my kink. That's my niche. Your kink. That's my kink. Uh, the character's personality was partly intended as a satire of insincere and egotistical television personalities. Okay. Creator Rocky Morton described Max as the very sterile, arrogant Western personification of the middle class male TV host, but also as a media-wise and gleefully disrespectful. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, but so he's all, kind of a dick. Yeah, basically. Okay. Uh, and it appealed to young viewers. So, uh, was this on like Dicks MTV in the Making or something? Oh, British TV, BBC or some shit. Okay. Cyberpunk, you know. Again, no. But okay. <laughs> I feel like if I just, I'm one of those people that just keeps saying something and just. And not explaining it. No, I got it. I totally understand now. You've said it 17 times. <laughs> so now you get what it is. Yeah. Um, however, this story is not about Max Headroom himself. Oh. A twist! <laughs> it's about the Max Headroom broadcast signal intrusion. Okay. November 22nd, 1987. Chicago, Illinois. Two... Wait, I have to burp. 
Okay. Two. Not a burp. I just released air. Just a really scary sound. <laughs> I don't make noise when I, I burp. burp. <laughs> I don't make noise when I burp. I just release air. So you like? No. I feel like a bubble in my throat, and I just kind of help it get out. <laughs> you just vomit a little. Probably. That's amazing. Okay, sorry. Uh, We're in the broadcast. It's Chicago. It's eighty-seven. Got it. <clears throat> Two Chicago television stations had their broadcast signals hijacked, known in the biz as broadcast signal intrusion, by an unknown person wearing a Max Headroom mask and sunglasses with a homemade Max Headroom background rocking back and forth. Wait, wait. Just rocking back? This person? They got interrupted by a video of a person wearing this mask and just rocking back and forth? No, that'd be creepy. Well, no, it was creepy. Uh, no, the background. So basically they set up their, wherever they were filming, uh-huh. to look like the Max Headroom set. Yeah. And the curtain, I guess, wasn't, like, stable. It was just, like, the curtain itself was oh, rocking back and forth. I thought the person was rocking, and I was like, but this is the most terrifying yeah. story you've ever told. Yeah. Okay, got it. It's pretty scary. So the intruder was successful in interrupting two broadcast television stations within the course of three hours. The first incident took place for 25 seconds during the sports cast on the 9 p.m. news on WGN-TV, Channel 9. Sports anchor Dan Roan was going over the highlights from the Chicago Bears' 30-10 home victory over the Detroit Lions that afternoon. The screen went black for 15 seconds, then returned with a person wearing a Max Headroom mask and sunglasses moving around and acting in a similar manner to Max Headroom. His head was in front of a sheet of moving corrugated metal, which imitated the electronic background effect used in the Max Headroom TV and movie appearances. There was no audio other than a buzzing noise and an oscillating sound. The hijack was stopped after engineers at WGN switched the frequency of their studio link to the John Han- John Hancock Center transmitter. So they just like yeah, switched did some over. science shit. They were like, we're gonna flip a switch. Taken care of. The incident left Dan Roan bemused, saying, "Well, if you're wondering what's happening, so am I." Yeah. <laughs> and then said that the computer running the news took off and went wild then repeating his report on the Bears' victory earlier that day. So basically they were like, what the fuck was that? All right, moving on. Like, well, I guess we'll just... Back to the Bears. Back, back to the Bears. <laughs> That's creepy. It, it's super creepy. Is there a video of it? Oh, yeah. Or do you have it? Can I see it? Yeah, I mean, we can Google it. Okay. Uh, then later that night at 11.15 p.m., a different station, an affiliate of PBS, was hijacked during an episode of Doctor Who, this time with distorted and crackling audio. The show was interrupted by television static, after which the unidentified man wearing the Max Headroom mask and sunglasses appeared, saying, That does it! He's a freaking nerd! What the fuck? Oh, it's gonna get really weird. This is why oh I d- wanted to do I this story. I just googled a picture of him and this man. It's, it's terrifying. It's super terrifying. Ew. Uh, quick pause for your word of the day. Pundit. Pundit? Uh, pundit. P-U-N-D-I-T. Yes. Pundit. Pundit, an expert in a particular subject or field who is frequently called on to give opinions about it to the public. He mentioned WGN sports pundit Chuck Swirsky, whom he said he was better than, going on to call Swirsky a freaking liberal. Is this my dad? <laughs> Did your dad dress up as my dad? The man started to moan, scream, and laugh. This is the man in the mask. Yes. Oh. Yep. He continued to laugh and utter various random phrases, including New Coke's advertising slogan, Catch the Wave, while holding a Pepsi can. 
Because Max Headroom was a Coca-Cola spokesperson at the time. Okay. So then he tossed the can out of sight, leaned forward to the, towards the camera, and presented the finger, wearing a rubber extension over his middle finger, though the gesture was partially off screen. The man then retrieved the Pepsi can and saying, Your love is fading removed the rubber extension, and then began humming the theme song, <laughs> humming the theme song to Clutch Cargo, pausing to say, I'll see the X. Often misheard as, I stole CBS, but he said, I still see the X. The Which referred to the final episode of the series before resuming humming again. Then, he began to moan painfully, exclaiming, exclaiming about his piles. Again, the muffled audio, or perhaps as a deliberate computer pun, it makes it sound like he's saying files. Um, and after, so after which, a flatulent sound was heard, and he gyrated. <laughs> he then stated that he had and he gyrated. gyrated. I often fart and gyrate as well. Yeah. <laughs> happening on my TV. I would literally, mouth agape, I would be watching the television like, what the fuck is going on? Dude. Um, so then he, then he stated he had made a giant masterpiece for all the greatest world newspaper nerds. What the fuck? Um, the, the WGN, that station, um, the call letters used by the Chicago television station as well as its sister radio station are an acronym for world's greatest newspaper. Oh. So that's what WGN stands for. Uh, he then held up a gardening glove and said, my brother is wearing the other one. <laughs> what is happening? Is he just on mass? Is there like an answer to what? what? I'll get to it. Okay. I'm so concerned and stressed. <laughs> um, so after putting the glove on, he continued, but it's dirty. It's like he got blood stains on it. He then removed the glove and threw it away in disgust. What is happening? I'm so nervous. It's going to get so much better. I have my hands just completely covering my face. I love this. Okay. So stressed out. The picture suddenly cuts over to a shot of the man's lower torso. His buttocks were partly exposed. And he was, he was holding the now-removed mask up to the camera with the rubber extension now placed in the mouth of the mask, howling, They're coming to get me! Well, his ass is on the screen. Yes, so you can't see his face. He's holding the mask up, and his, his, you can see his buttocks. Is he wearing, like, assless chaps? I think he just pulled his pants down. Oh, cute. I mean, I guess that makes more sense. Yeah. No, he's... Who doesn't just wear assless chaps in the event that you need to expose your buttocks on WGN? <laughs> the guys in Spice World wore assless chaps. Therefore, every man that is British wears assless chaps. An unidentified accomplice wearing a French maid costume then told him to bend over, bitch. <laughs> The accomplice then started to spank the man with a fly swatter as the man screamed loudly, shouting, Oh, do it! Oh my god, this is being broadcast yes. on television. Yes, in front of children. Jesus, cry money. The transmission then blacked out for a few seconds before resuming the Doctor Who episode in progress. <laughs> the hijack lasted for about 90 seconds. So all of that. in the middle of a Doctor Who episode. All of that crammed into a minute and a half. All of that happened in that a minute must, and a half. That must just look like such a mental breakdown. Yeah. Like, that's terrifying. I wish I would have experienced it in real time. Watching it. Not being the man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No. Yeah. Well. Well. 
mean, depending on what kind of drugs he was. Who knows what my kink is? It, it could be interrupting broadcast stations. This reminds me, what was that series, that YouTube shit that we watched at Harrison? Ah, don't hug me, I'm scared. Yes. It's, that's how I that's feel. That's creep. That's like, the, don't hug me, I'm scared is what it reminds me of. Like, that's how uneasy I feel. I literally am like cold. <laughs> like, I don't have The don't hug me, I'm scared videos, we watched them consecutively all in one day and it fucked me up so much that I was like depressed the next day like I felt very weird the next day I told you that we should not keep watching them and you and Harrison were like it's fine just keep going no, and I was like kept getting... guys no I don't know who thought of those videos but I don't want to meet them if you have not seen them watch the first one and don't watch any of the other ones no I mean the first one is creepy enough and I mean if you really want to just give yourself a mild panic attack, yeah. watch all of them. Right. <laughs> but uh, some one of my friends at work the other day brought up their, something, because we were talking about, like, terrible Netflix movies, and... Um, Teeth? No. Have you seen Food Boy with Ryan, the guy who uh, fucking played Ryan in High School Musical? He's, like, a superhero, but his superpower is just fucking, like, <laughs> like meat comes out of his <laughs> I want to watch that now. I know my next it's Halloween costume. It's literally, <laughs> Peyton was like, it's, I watched the whole thing and I was like, I just watched the trailer and I can't stop laughing. <laughs> like, I don't get it. Food so then food. one of my friends was like, yeah. So then one of my friends was like, is it like, don't hug me, I'm scared? And I was like, shh, don't talk about it. We don't You're never talking about, about that. Don't talk to me, I'm scared. Don't talk to me. I'm scared. Don't hug me. Don't talk don't to me, talk to I'm me. uneasy. Okay, anyways, <laughs> let's go. Let's follow. Oh, I spilled my coffee. Right. Okay. So We've taking a break. Yeah. Woo. Dive back in. Diving in. WTTW, which maintained its transmitter atop the Sears Tower, found that its engineers were unable to stop the hijack due to the fact that they were that there were no engineers on duty at the Sears Tower <laughs> at the time of the hijacking. We couldn't stop it because nobody was working. Sorry guys, everybody has a day off. Uh, according to this, because I feel November 22nd, if they were talking about the Lions game, that means it was probably Thanksgiving because Around the Detroit Lions always play on Thanksgiving. Oh, probably. So I'm guessing they were out with their That's families. That's a weird fact that you know. It's the Lions and then, I don't remember who else, it's two teams that always play on Thanksgiving. Why? Um, I don't know. I'm just do. Uh, according to station spokesman, spokesman... According to station spokesman Anders Yocom, oh, I love your that. favorite. I love that name. Your favorite spokesman. I love my favorite spokesman. Your favorite spokesman. Uh, Anders Yocom. One of the trivia questions was which boy band was created in the back of a like a flea market where teenagers hung out in Florida. New Kids on the Block. No, it was Backstreet Boys. Oh, I which what? They, that's where they got their name from. Backstreet was. A place oh. behind, like in like a, not like a, like a hangout for it, the sentence was for teenagers, but I said for teenager, and then I was like, wait, there's more than just one for teenager, not just one teenager, but that got a lot of laughs. So I mean, you know, we have fun at trivia. We um, have fun. We have fun. <laughs> it's lovely to have fun. <laughs> it's lovely to have fun at your job. Um, so back to Anders. Technicians monitoring the transmission from WTTW headquarters attempted to take corrective measures, but couldn't, you know, because they weren't fucking there. By the time our people began looking into what was going on, it was over. Because well, yeah, it was only 90 seconds. Yeah. Like, how, you can't even scramble that, that fast to get, to get shit. We work in television. It. We know yeah, things. We get it. Well, it was also after 11, so it was, like, later at night. I'm sure, like, that factored into why no one was there. 
you know. This was at night? Yeah, this happened at 11, yeah. God. 11 p.m. I'm so scared. Yeah. Don't hug me. Um, WTTW was able to find copies of the hijackers, of the hijackers telecast with the help of Doctor Who fans who had been taping the show. Fuck yes. Uh, and I watched... Nerds. 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 Freaking nerds. Freaking nerds coming in and saving the day. Saving the day. Uh, so I watched a YouTube video about this. Obviously, that's what I said, because, you know, I got everything else from Wikipedia. Yeah. Um... And in the 80s, it was talking about how in the 80s, this type of technology was, like, unheard of. So whoever did this had to be, basically be an expert, because this is absolutely, like, people didn't have, people didn't have, like, laptops and shit in the 80s. Like, this, in 87. It was Bill Gates. (laughs) Bill Gates. It was Bill Gates. He loves being spanked by a French maid, and he finally, like, his ultimate kink is to broadcast it. Um... Whoa, who said we did it? I don't judge Bill Gates oh, for getting sorry. spanked no, in a French right. maid you're costume. Right. I, didn't mean to, I didn't mean to kink shame Bill Gates. <laughs> That's I'm the so title sorry. of this episode. I didn't, I didn't mean to kink shame Bill Gates. <laughs> That's our title of this episode. Okay. Yep. But, but you're correct. That <laughs> is the title. I didn't mean to kink shame Bill Gates. Okay. Unfortunately, the case is still unsolved. Shut up! Mm-hmm. No! Yeah. No! There's no explanation. That's why I literally told you the name of the YouTube video was like shit that was unsolved. I know, but I just did. That makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah, no, extremely. That's why I was really excited to do this. It was Bill Gates. Bill Gates, what the fuck? Bill Gates. I don't kink shame, but I don't always want to be a part of it. You can't just force your kinks on Doctor Who fans. Yeah. <laughs> They're fragile Those people. Those poor nerds. Those poor nerds. They hide in their telephone box now. Oh, my God. The TARDIS. The TARDIS. That's all I know. I don't know anything else about that. I'm surprised you it's don't watch that show. It's a police box. There's 1,400 seasons. I have wanted to watch that show, but I don't know where the fuck to start because they also have different doctors. doctors yeah. and like, But I wanted to watch it because there's a lady doctor now. Yeah. And I love Lady Power. Lady Power. I want to get a shirt that says Pussy Power and wear it on Vanessa stage. Vanessa can make you one. Oh my god, Vanessa, you've been Name commissioned. Drop. Whoop, whoop. Name drop. Whoop, whoop. You've been commissioned. Uh, we commissioned her to make a lot of stuff, actually. Vanessa, yeah, get on I it. I don't think she's hell. made any of it. Come on, Vanessa. We've been talking since episode one about you making us stuff. What are you doing? <laughs> We give you so many name drops. <laughs> fame. Whoop, whoop, whoop. We pre- presented you fame. We're trying to give you fortune. Is that the end That's of the your end. story? Because it's unsolved. I'm so stressed out. I know. Were you just as stressed out as you were at the Mumford and Son concert? Because that's a thing that no. apparently you experience. Uh, yeah, but no, I'm not as stressed out. But why did you bring that up? <laughs> because you just talked about it the other day. I did? Yeah. You know what? Don't. Mental health shame me. Oh my God, I would never. <laughs> Panic attacks can happen even in the most calmest of music. Exactly. <laughs> that was great. I am very stressed out about it. Um, before I start mine, I think I would like more coffee, so I'm going to do that. Pause for a coffee break. I went to the bathroom. I got some Vaseline. Good to go for my lips. Felt that was needed. <laughs> um, my butthole. Got to keep it nice and. And moisturized. This I, is a PSA. <laughs> Keep your butthole moisturized. Sponsored by Vaseline. Sponsored by Moisture your lips and your asshole. <laughs> <laughs> lips and cheeks, if you know what I mean. Lips and lips. Lips. Can you put Vaseline? Should you put Vaseline on your pussy? It's just like lube, I would assume. We're not doctors. Don't do that. Don't do it. Massage oil is not lube, and that's all we know. Get out of me. It burns. Out of me. 
So I'm going to do, her name is Sister Rosetta Tharp. This was a request, not a request. Uh, her and Dr. Stone have been teaching people languages. <laughs> That's Rosetta's show. Yeah, got it. There we go. <laughs> no. Um, she's a singer and a guitar player. No, but it was funny. Thank you. My dad suggested this. Oh, one. yeah. I was with, Ke was I with you? Yeah, this okay. is the one that my dad Kent. suggested. So I thought I would just play a little bit of like one of her most popular songs. Also, she's getting off a horse right now, and she just keeps saying, Sweet horsey. So I think this was on like a variety show. Cute! I love this. I don't really know what's happening. I'm sorry, I'm still laughing yet. I didn't mean to kink shame Bill Gates. I didn't mean to kink shame. Oh, here we go. So look at this bitch with her fucking electric guitar. Okay, sister Rosetta Stone. No. Teach me the language of the guitar. <laughs> I love that she's doing this in like a full house coat. I love it. I love her energy. Have the energy of Sister Rosetta Thorpe. Oh, Tharp. Still Tharp. 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 Still Sorry. not stone, still Tharp. <laughs> Have Sister Rosetta Tharp's energy always. Always. So many sources state that she was born Rosetta Newbin in Cotton Plant, Arkansas, to Katie Bell Newbin and Willis Atkins, who were cotton pickers. Mm. However, researchers Bob Eagle and Eric LeBlanc gave her birth name as Rose Esther Atkins and her mother's name being Katie Harper. So... There's not, there's just some debate. I felt like I should probably include both. I don't right. know. What year is this? She was born March 20th, 1915. Not much is known about her father, except for that he was a singer. Tharp's mother, Katie, was also a singer and a mandolin player, evangelist, and preacher for the Church of God in Christ, which was founded in 19, no, 1894 by Charles Harrison Mason, a black Pentecostal bishop who encouraged rhythmic musical expression, dancing and praise, and allowing women to sing and teach in church. Yes. Yeah. Encouraged by her mother, Tharp began singing and playing the guitar as little Rosetta Newbin at the age of four and was cited as a musical, musical prodigy, unlike me who can't even fucking talk. Yeah, <laughs> this is why we deserve to have a podcast and right. be on stage and talk to people. Right. We're totally credible. We've just decided. <laughs> We're getting through our um, hardships. So at age six, Tharp had joined her mother as a regular performer in a traveling evangelical troupe billed as the singing and guitar playing miracle. So she's still, she's six. Traveling. Oh my God. Yeah. She's touring. <laughs> I'm on tour. I'm six. Where's my juice box? I have a writer, you know. <laughs> I have a writer. <laughs> she accompanied her mother in performances that were part sermon and part gospel concert before audiences across the American South. By the mid-1920s, Tharp and her mother settled in Chicago, Illinois, where they performed religious concerts at the Kojic Church. It's that Church of God in Christ. C-O-G-I-C. Yeah. On 40th Street, occasionally traveling to perform at church conventions throughout the country, Tharp developed considerable fame as a musical prodigy, standing out in an era when prominent black female guitarists were rare. So she's not just saying, she's a badass on that guitar. At six. Move over, Eric. Right? 
the Fonzie. Uh, <laughs> I know he sometimes listens, and I hope we're keeping that in because I know. Yeah, no, I that's why I said it. Because remember Eric Lafonzi. In 1934, at age 19, she married Thomas Thorpe, a Kojic preacher who accompanied her and her mother on many of their tours. The marriage lasted only a few years, but she decided to adopt a version of her husband's surname as her stage name, Sister Rosetta Tharp. In 1938, she left her husband and moved in with her mother in New York City. And after she married several times, or although she married several times, she performed as Rosetta Tharp for the rest of her life. I kind of like that she just, like, took her husband's name and was like, this is my stage name now. (laughs) Yeah, and that's why I want to change my last name to Ray, like my grandmother's. And also, did you know Lucia's mom just invented her own last name? No. So it's actually really cool because her first husband's last name was Pavolni. Okay. Um, and she hated that. So she's like, I'm going to make it Povo. And that's my name. So suck my dick. That's amazing. Lucia's mom has big dick energy. Hardcore. I love it. Yeah. Hey. Kelly Povo. She's an artist. I love it. Kovo yeah. or Povo? Povo. With a P. I love that. On October 31st, 1938, age 23, Tharp recorded for the first time. Four sides for Decca Records, backed by Lucky Melinder's Jazz Orchestra. The first gospel songs ever recorded by Decca. Rock Me, That's All, The Man and I, and The Lonesome Road were instant hits. Establishing Tharp as an overnight sensation and one of the first commercially successful gospel recording artists. Rock Me influenced many rock and roll singers, such as Elvis motherfucking Presley. Hell yeah. Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis. So she's like their inspo. She's now mine. She was so. their goals. Imagine Elvis Presley being like, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. What's that song? Hmm. I want to walk like you. Talk like you. Ah. Jungle Book. It's from Jungle Book. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the one, Man's Great Fire. It's that, It's like the orangutan or something that's like mad that, I don't know, we're going to get too into it. Rosetta Tharp had signed a seven-year contract with Reminder and was managed by Mo Gale. I'm assuming all of these people are dead. I don't even recognize, like, the name of the record company. Right, <laughs> like, and you're such so a connoisseur old. of music. I am. Yeah. Was that sarcastic? Because yes. I'm not. Okay, I was going to say I'm not a connoisseur. <laughs> okay, good. No. <laughs> I don't know anything. No. Okay. Anyways, blah, blah, blah. Um, her records caused an immediate furor. Many churchgoers were shocked by the mixture of gospel-based lyrics and secular-sounding music, but secular audiences loved them. She played on several occasions with the white singing group The Jordanaires, and Tharp's appearance with the jazz artist Cab Calloway at Harlem's Cotton Club in October 1938, and in John Hammond's Spiritual to Swing To concert at Carnegie Hall on December 23rd gained her more fame along with notoriety. Carnegie Hall, that's yes. some big deal. Also, like, the day before Christmas Eve. A time, a right. moment. Everybody's in town visiting the fam. We're going to go <laughs> see snowy. Sister Rosetta Tharp. At Carnegie Hall. Um, time to get my Sunday best out and my, my nice shoes, my nice coat, shoes. nice coat. Going to Carnegie Where's Hall. I'm currently wearing a robe, <laughs> a bathrobe. <laughs> a really fuzzy one. I'm wearing the same clothes I wore to this the bar last right. night. Robe number two for today. I was wearing a different one, a much cuter one. That flowery one. Mm-hmm. I like that one. Yeah. Um, that's your morning robe. That's my. Oh, I just woke up. I just woke up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you have makeup on? No. Yeah, I didn't have any makeup on. This the stuff that smeared on my face. You're incorrect. No. No, I don't. Beautiful. My hair is in a giant knot. Oh, me? I look terrible. I look like I was attacked <laughs> by a pigeon. I think not, sir. 
Performing gospel music for nightclub audiences and alongside blues and jazz musicians and dancers was unusual, and in conservative religious circles, a woman playing the guitar in such settings was frowned upon. Oh, For these God. reasons, Tharp fell out of favor with segments of the gospel community. Her recordings of This Train and Rock Me, which combined gospel themes with a bouncy up-tempo arrangement, were hits in the late 1930s, with audiences having little previous exposure to gospel music. Um, She's spreading the word of Christ. Right. Why is she being ostracized? A woman more successful than me, a man, we must ostracize her from the church. We must get rid of her. It's what Jesus would want. Jesus doesn't play the guitar. (laughs) Neither shall you. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) It's in the Bible. (laughs) That we've never read. You can't pray with us. (laughs) You can't pray with us. That's not a fart. I was just moving my leg. Mm, likely story. It's been suggested that Tharp had little choice in the material she was contracted to record with Melinda. Rosetta and Melinda were increasingly at odds in 1943 as Rosetta itched to quit the big band circuit and renew her career as a strictly gospel act. Um, she didn't want to do light, fair, poking fun at old-time religion or worldly material like tall, skinny papa, but she found herself bound by contractual obligations. I hate those. Yeah. Her nightclub performances in which she would sometimes sing gospel songs amid scantily clad showgirls caused her to be shunned by, by people in the gospel community. We, I already said that. During this time, masculinity was directly linked to guitar skills because, mm. of course, it was. Yeah. Um, masculinity is directly uh, tied to everything because, God forbid, a woman be good at something. I just... A witch! No witch! <laughs> <laughs> Tharp defied this gender construct, and instead of being praised for playing so uniquely and boldly, she was often offered the backhanded compliment from fans and media that she could merely play like a man, despite the fact that she could and did outplay many men of the time, exemplifying her skills at guitar battles at the Apollo. She liked the fucking guitar battles. At the Apollo. Again, get my nicest button up, (laughs) get the fur coat, put your hat on, we're going to the Apollo. Get my nicest button up. <laughs> Honey, you started to bring out the satin scarf. We're going to the going Apollo. On. I don't even know what you're wearing in this scenario. It sounds horrible. <laughs> button up a satin scarf. My <laughs> nicest fur. <laughs> what shoes are you wearing? Vans? <laughs> it's merely the Apollo. Oh my Not God. Carnegie Hall. It's merely the Apollo. <laughs> Uh, she was revolutionary and disrupted the music genre with both her sex and race. Tharp continued recording during World War II, and only two gospel artists were able to record V-discs for troops overseas, so she was one of them. Uh, her song, Strange Things Happening Every Day, recorded in 1944 with Sammy Price. Decca's house, Boogie Woogie Pianist, showcased her... Boogie Woogie. I'm sorry. That was a real sentence that I clearly copied from Wikipedia, but... But didn't pre-read. Her song, Strange Things Happening Every Day, recorded in 1994 with Sammy Price, Decca's house, Boogie Woogie Pianist. <laughs> I want to be a Boogie Woogie Pianist. <laughs> my hand, my fingers are too short to play piano. I tried. Um, I can do, I can play piano, but I had to quit because I can't do slow things with this hand and do fast things with this um, hand. I have to do the same thing. Yes. With both <laughs> my fingers are too short i just had to stop i could never be a boogie woogie pianist and it really it's I'm followed so me around i'm so sorry the rest of my life i'm so sorry it's really hard to talk about anyways the song with the boogie woogie pianist showcased her virtuosity as a guitarist and her witty lyrics and delivery 
It was the first gospel song to make Billboard's Harlem Hit Parade, later known as Race Records, then R&B. So they called it Harlem's Hit Parade, then Race Records, which seems horrible, yes. and then R&B. So does the whole Cotton Town thing. Yeah, literally that's the name of the town. Hope it changed, but probably not, because it's, it's Arkansas. Arkansas. Um, All of our Arkansas subscribers they have unsubscribed. just unsubscribed. <laughs> it's okay, they don't know how to use a computer. <laughs> Um, how do you turn that thing on? It's a desktop. It's a Dell. I can't get this darn thing to work. My four teeth are really mad about it. <laughs> Honey, hit it with the gun. Maybe if you just shoot it, it'll stop. Okay. Make these goddamn liberal girls stop talking in my ears. <laughs> then why are you listening to us? Um, I mean, we don't have any Arkansas no. fans. <laughs> None, and we never will due to this conversation. Goodbye. Um, Goodbye. Bop, bop, bop. Okay, so she made the Billboard basically the top 10 R&B list on the Billboard, which is cool. Um, and it was a gospel song. Uh, an achievement she would accomplish several more times in her career. Her 1994, nope, 19, 1994, her 1944 record has been credited by some as being the first rock and roll record. Tharp toured throughout the 1940s, backed by various gospel quartets, including the Dixie Hummingbirds, who were probably a thing at that time. 1946, Tharp saw Mary Knight perform at Mahalia Jackson concert in New York, and Tharp recognized a special talent in Knight. Two weeks later, Tharp showed up at Knight's doorstep, inviting her to go out on the road. They toured the gospel circuit for a number of years, during which they recorded such things as Up Above My Head and Gospel Train. Though dismissed by both artists as gossip, several in the gospel community speculated Ooh. that Knight and Tharp ma maintained a romantic and sexual relationship. Oh, wow. Because two ladies can't just be friends. It's a Gail Oprah sitch prior to Gail and Oprah. Oh my god, they're the OG Gail <laughs> and Oprah. They're the OGs. Oh my god. In 1949, their popularity took a sudden downturn. Um, Mahalia Jackson was starting to eclipse Tharp in popularity, and Knight harbored a desire to break free as a solo act into popular music. Furthermore, around this time, Knight lost her children and mother in a house fire. No! So, what? That's terrible! Yeah. So that same year, to commemorate Tharp's first anniversary of being a homeowner, Tharp put on a concert. I guess we just don't care about the fact that her family died. I realized the cool. way that I said that sounded sarcastic. But oh, no, it really was horrible. I, I knew horrible. you meant it was horrible. <laughs> I knew that. Oh, no! Oh, a house fire! Oh, your entire family your was killed? Families. Wow! <laughs> assholes <laughs> um all right so then apparently she went on and did a concert i guess and i don't i guess we we're just not talking about i thought i had more about the fire but okay um tharp attracted it was god smiting her for playing the guitar jesus warned you jesus warned you jesus warned you um that's gonna be so loud i'm sorry it's okay. uh pop 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 to, oh, so to celebrate being a homeowner, she decided to put on a concert at, at what is now the Altria Theater. Supporting her for that concert was the Twilight Singers, whom Rosetta adopted as her background singers for future conference or conference concerts, <laughs> renaming them the Rosettes. I have a conference where my backup singers. <laughs> Imagine like opening like you get to back this girl and you have your own name they're the twilight singers and then she goes no you're the rosettes now that's something you would do i know <laughs> like, i've renamed you i'm sorry i've decided that's Just not like your name 182 all over again <laughs> attracted twenty five thousand paying customers to her wedding what yeah to her manager russell 
Morrison. She married her manager and made people pay. What a move. <laughs> because then she... This is such... I feel like this is such a me move. Like, So she literally... Okay, so 25000 paying customers to her wedding to her manager, followed by a vocal performance at the Griffith Stadium in Washington. So, like, she got married and then was like, and now I'm going to perform. <laughs> I think that kind of sounds like something you would do. Yes. Like, literally be like, everyone comes to my wedding. Also, I will be doing a stand-up act after. <laughs> I will also first dance my ass. I'm going to perform. I'm performing. Um, cool. So then she did that. In 1957, Tharp was booked for a month-long tour of the UK by British trombonist Chris Barber. In April and May 1964, at the height of the surge of popular interest in the blues... She toured Europe as part of the blues and gospel caravan alongside Muddy Waters, who I've heard of, and Otis Spann, Ransom Knowling, and Little Willie Smith. My parents probably know these people. Reverend Gary Davis, Cousin Joe. Cousin Joe. Cousin, one of their names is just Cousin Joe. Works. Okay. Um, Gotta see Cousin Joe. I didn't know you had a Cousin Joe. I don't. I don't. <laughs> and with that, I shall leave. Um, Tharp was introduced on stage and accompanied on piano... My thing just zoomed out. By Cousin Joe Pleasant. Apparently he's the pianist. He's not the boogie-woogie pianist, no. but he is a pianist. Um, a Concert in the Rain was recorded by Granada Television at the disused railway station at this random road in Manchester in May 1964. The band performed on one platform while the audience was seated on the opposite platform. So, like, in the rain. A concert in the rain. That yeah. just sounds fun. And then everyone died of an ammonia. Tharp's performances were curtailed by a stroke. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> what? Uh, she had a, <coughs> so she had a stroke? Yeah. In 1970, after which one of her legs was amputated what? as a result of complications from diabetes. On October 9th, 1973, the eve of a scheduled recording session, she died in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania as the result of another stroke. No. She was buried in an unmarked grave in Northwood Cemetery. In Philadelphia. A marker has since been placed on the grave. I don't know why she was buried in an unmarked grave. Oh, she made all that money from her wedding. She could have afforded her doing gravestone. Right. Oh, rude. A resurgence of... A resurgence of interest in Tharp's work has led to a biography, several NPR segments, scholarly articles, and honors. The United States Postal Service issued a 32-cent commemorative stamp to honor Tharp on July 15, 1998. In 2007, she was inducted posthumously into posthumously. the posthumously. I can't say that word into the Blues Hall of Fame. In 2008, a concert was held to raise funds for a marker for her grave, and January 11th was declared Sister Rosetta Tharp Day in Pennsylvania. A gravestone was put in place later that year, and a Pennsylvania historical marker was approved for the placement at her home in the Yorktown neighborhood of Philadelphia. Sister Rosetta Tharp sounds like a badass. Go Google her because the videos are really cool. Of her. Yeah. She sounded great. I just like to listen to blues. Apparently. If you like that. Yeah. Also, I don't like gospel music, but I like her, so apparently yeah. I do. Yeah. And the church had a problem with her spreading the word of Jesus. Wow. Well, yeah. I really thought you were going to say she was spreading something else, and I was like, I never said that. <laughs> that is, that is slander. libel. Lies. Slander. I'm going to sue I'm you. I'm suing you. For She's suing you. Posthumously. I'm going to be sued posthumously. Posthumously. I feel awesome. like I have to be British when I say that word. I can British your face off. I can, though. I'm really good at the British accent. Remember that British guy from last night? 
Oh god, yeah, I do. He's from Manchester. He, no, Newcastle. Newcastle. He was from Newcastle. He asked me, he was like, am I allowed to bring something up to write on? Like, to write on while I do this? And I went, no, you can write on the back of your, like, card. And he was like, with my finger, though? And I was like, yeah. No, like, no, with he, your tongue. He goes, I can't bring, like, a felt tip pen. And I was like, bitch, no. No, we only <laughs> accept quails. I was like, these are special. Or no, I said, these are the national spelling bee rules. As if I fucking know. I literally said that. I said, just, like, basic national spelling bee rules. <laughs> Here's your not prepare prior to coming here. Just because we're drinking doesn't mean we're not serious. This is very serious. We care about words. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Why do I sing it at the end? <laughs> All right, everybody. <laughs>